welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. There was a private school in Washington, D.C. that faced a very unique problem. You see, there was a number of middle school girls who started a trend of going into the bathroom, putting on lipstick, and then pressing their lips against the bathroom mirror. And by the end of the day, dozens of little lip imprints would be all over the bathroom. Now I worked in public school, and I can tell you these little trends happen all the time. (laughs) And kids do crazy things like that, don't they? So every night, of course, the custodian staff would remove the marks, and then the next day, the girls would put them right back. Well, finally, the principal decided she had had enough and something needed to be done. So she called all the girls into the bathroom and then called in the custodian. She explained to the girls that all these lip prints were causing a problem for the custodian, who had to spend their time cleaning off all the mirrors every single night. And so to demonstrate how difficult it was to clean off these mirrors each night, the principal asked the custodian to show the young girls how much effort was required to do so. So the custodian took out a long-handled squeegee, dipped it in the toilet, and proceeded to clean the mirrors off with it. (laughs) Since that demonstration, there have been no limb prints left on the mirrors as well. (laughs) Now, Now, why do I share that story with you? See, sometimes in order to change behavior, we need to change our perspective, don't we? Sometimes it's not enough in life just to tell somebody the right thing to do. Sometimes we actually need to see it lived out, don't we? We need to actually see the consequences for our actions and what it's really causing and the pain and the trouble of doing. Again, if you're a guest or watching us online, we want to thank you so much. We've been in this series called Jesus. And we've been walking through the life, the ministry, the teaching of Jesus, and it's just been a great journey. And we've been saying there are some things, if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, there are some things in life that we need to really work on. We really need to to make those changes in our lives. And and the second act we've been calling the cost of discipleship. And and we've been saying following Jesus isn't an answer in life. It's the answer. It's who we cling to. It's how we do it. And, And sometimes, again, we need to see the light, but there's other times we just need to feel the heat, don't we? We need to understand that there's consequences for what we're doing. And so each week, we've been focusing on a different area. We've been calling our Sunday gatherings kind of our weekly episode drop, as it were. Um, If you need to catch up, you can go ahead and binge watch it on our website, on our YouTube channel as well. We'd love that. We have a podcast as well. You can catch up. And then every day, Monday through Saturday, we've had a reading through the Gospels. Sunday is kind of a grace day, so if you you haven't caught up yet, go ahead and do that. But I just want to say, church, as of yesterday, we have completed 60 days of this journey. Isn't that awesome? And that's great. And so many of you I know have have done every day faithfully. Some of you have been trying to catch up as well. But but here's my heart, and and, and I I hesitate to even say it, but I hope that it's not a 60-day so far. I hope it becomes a habit. I hope that once the series ends, we continue to stay in God's word every day and learn more about what he has to say for us. I know that's my heart as well. And so in the readings this past week, there was kind of a transition that happened in Jesus. And maybe you caught it, maybe you didn't. But Jesus began traveling towards Jerusalem. And so this week and next week are kind of a transition into what's going to be called our third act. Because as we know, Jesus had pulled his disciples aside two different times. And he had said, listen, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And when I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be crucified. But don't worry, on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. To which none of the disciples got at that point. They were too afraid to ask Jesus what it was. 
So in this stage right now, as we're going through the life of Jesus, this is Jesus' final journey to Jerusalem. And as he's going along, the teachings that he has, the people that he meets, the community he goes through as well. So that's what we're going to be talking about this week and then next week as well as we transition to Act 3 when he actually arrives in Jerusalem. And the third component of this that I've really been encouraging you to do is our weekly discussion groups. Not just coming on Sunday and listening, which is great. We hope that you're doing that. Not just the daily readings. I hope you're doing that as well. But, but every, every week we have a group of people that will meet together and talk about this. And, and I just encourage you to do that. If, if you want to come, let us know. If uh, those days and times don't work for you, we'd love to find a time that can do that as well to really get into communication. But, but here's the question we've been asking throughout this series. Do you want to use God or do you want God to use you? As a follower of Jesus Christ, it's going to cost us something to be in a follower of Jesus Christ. And what do you want from God? Do you want to use God, or do you want God to use you? Pick one. And these are the kind of areas we've gone through, if you remember, for those of you who have been here. We talked about the area of forgiveness. That was the first, and I thought, the most important thing we need to grasp is to what it means to forgive other people. And I said, we don't forgive other people because we don't understand what God has done for us. See, once we truly understand what Jesus has done for us, how he has forgiven us, It'll be so easy to forgive other people. And then the second week, we talked about pleasing people. How we're all guilty of of caring more what other people think about us than what Jesus already said. And we spend a lot of time and waste a lot of time chasing other people's opinions rather than what God has already said. And we have to pick one. We either have to live for God's praise or the praise of people. And last week, we talked about the importance of loving our neighbor. We talked about how we need to show them, see them have compassion and really meet their needs. So in your Bibles today, I want you to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 18. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 18. And in this week's episode that we're going to be talking about, we're going to be focusing on there's two events in the life of Jesus that happened in Luke 18, again on his journey to his final destination of Jerusalem. Now these two events in Jesus' life are recorded in both Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We've called those before. The Synoptic Gospels are kind of similar as well. Um, So these these two episodes are not only in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but they happen right after each other. Both Matthew, Mark, and Luke, these two events happen back to back. And in Matthew and Mark, they actually state that this happened immediately after the other one. Now, why is that important? Because I've heard a lot of messages. I've heard a lot of people talk about these two passages. They're very famous. If you're familiar with Jesus, you've probably heard these before. But I've never realized until I was preparing this message how much these two episodes are really connected to each other. What, what, the, what the connection is between these two events, and I'm going to point that out to you as well. And I believe they're important to understand why they're connected together because it's a key to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So the first event happens in verse 15. Again, I'm in Luke 18. In the 15th verse, the people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked him. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Now, church, we cannot do a series on the life of Jesus without talking about this passage because this is such an important part of what it means to follow Jesus. And I think in our culture, again, in 21st century America, we just take this for granted, right? We love kids. We we love kids and we love grandkids and nieces and nephews and, and we find a lot of joy in kids. But here's what I want you to understand, why this is so important. 
Because in the historical context of this, at the time when Jesus said this, this was revolutionary. So you have to remember that even before about 100 years ago, kids were not seen in the same way we see them now. Kids in some ways were kind of seen as we see pets today. They were kind of seen as like subhuman. And, and, and there's a very good reason for that. Because until about 100 years ago with our advancement in medical technology, one out of every two babies would die before their first birthday. And in many parts of the world, that still happens. And so there was kind of a safety that people had with their kids. They wouldn't really form those attachments because they would know that, that some of them would die. And in fact, if you have grandparents, you know, and depending on your generation, you probably know that they had siblings, some of them multiple siblings, that never made it out of childhood. So that was a very risky thing. And that's why in this story, while the disciples were rebuking the people for bringing babies to Jesus, that's not, they're not important. Get them out of the way. And Jesus said, no way. They are important. Every life matters to Jesus Christ. And again, that was revolutionary at the time. And, and, and it's a thing that's become so a part of our culture right now that we really kind of take it for granted how much every life matters to Jesus Christ. And in that one moment, Jesus, Jesus gave value to every single human life. But it's that verse 17 that I really want to kind of talk about. Because Jesus says something very interesting. Truly I tell you, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like this little child will never enter it. If you got your note sheet, I want you to take it out. And on the back of these, it's blank. Again, you hear me say this all the time. It's because we want you to write some things down. Some of you have your own notebooks, which I think is awesome. You can do that too. But we're going to talk about what it means to have a childlike faith. Because if Jesus said, you will not enter the kingdom of God unless you receive it like a little child, we probably need to understand what he's talking about there. What does it mean to have a childlike faith. And so I, I came up with three things that it means to really have a childlike faith. And, and again, think about kids in your life. Here's the first one that it requires. It requires dependence. To have a childlike faith, you really need to have dependence. Children are very dependent on their parents. Now, this time of year, we talk about taxes, and we can actually claim our kids as dependents, which, which is nice for parents, right? But, but we have to think about that. Our kids are fully dependent on their parents for food, for shelter, for clothing, for protection, both physically and emotionally. And one of the things that as, as parents, what we do is we take those kids and when they're born as little babies, they're completely helpless, aren't they? And as they grow up, they slowly start to become more and more independent. And really, in a sense, the goal of parenting is to raise your kids up so they're now independent People that can go function in the world. Elaine and I are going through that right now with our oldest son. We're transitioning him from being in mom and dad's house to being an adult, being on his own. But here's what it's like in the kingdom of God. It's the exact opposite. See, when we come to Jesus, we're our own person. We're our own independent thing. But the more and more we go, become like Jesus, the more and more we follow him, the more dependent we become on him. And, and spiritual maturity, church, don't miss this. Spiritual maturity is being just like a little baby in the arms of Jesus where you're fully dependent on him for all your love, all your affection, all of your needs being met. That's what it means to have a childlike faith. Here's the second one. Childlike faith requires dependence, but childlike faith also requires obedience. A childlike faith requires obedience. Can we all agree kids need guidance? <laughs> Remember back to my story at the beginning, right? Kids need guidance. We need to help our kids learn what, how we function as human beings. There's a classic piece of literature, which I think every child should read before they graduate high school, and it's William Golden's classic, Lord of the Flies. 
If you haven't read that, there's a couple movies that's been made about it as well. But just to kind of catch you up on it, what it is is it's a scenario where this group of boys from a boarding school are in a plane crash. And all the adults aboard the plane are, are killed. And they're on this deserted island, and there's all these boys on this deserted island, and they have to learn how to survive. And it's really kind of a, a microcosm of culture and how we can grow and develop in human nature. And, and as you can possibly imagine, it doesn't go well. <laughs> and, and the boys start off very civilized, very kind to each other. And over the course of the story, it declines into some very horrible, awful things. And, and the point about me saying that is on our own, if kids are left on their own, things don't go well. To which every teacher said, uh-huh. <laughs> every substitute teacher says, yep, you bet, right? If kids are left on their own, things don't go well. We need to have guidance for them. There's need to be rules to follow. Structure, limits, discipline are all part of what it means to be a child. And, and we would agree that rules aren't meant to steal our fun. We don't just make up rules because we want to steal our kids' joy. See, we make up rules because we, they're meant to love. They're meant to protect. They're meant to teach. And none of us as parents would say that we enjoy consequences. Like, it's not fun for us to see our kids hurting, but sometimes there's consequences for actions. Sometimes we need to feel the pain. It can be a great teacher. And, and the writer of Hebrews talks about this in chapter 12, verse 7. Endure hardships as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what child are not disciplined by their father? You go to verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Part of being a child and part of having a childlike faith is being obedient to what God has already said and, and following him no matter what, even if we don't agree, even if we don't understand it, part of a childlike faith requires obedience, just like kids for us. So childlike faith requires dependence. It requires obedience. But here's the third thing, and I think this is the most important and probably the most missed. To have a childlike faith, we need to have a sense of wonder. One of the great things about kids is kids are just amazed by things, aren't they? It's just fun to watch them and see that. I find it interesting that literally billions of dollars are spent on movies and toys and games and theme parks. And kids don't need any of that, do they? They're so easily amused. You know, I have a little niece, and she's a year and a half old. And, and I know everybody's kind of biased, and they think that they're, you know, their kid's the cutest. Mine is. I'm sorry. You're wrong. Okay? Mine's just adorable. She's cute. We were watching her, and true story, she found two stickers that came on a brand new shirt she, she got. She spent 10 minutes playing with these two stickers. <laughs> it's like, why do we buy all these toys, right? Kids are so easily amused. Kids have a sense of wonder, don't they, about so many things in the world. Why do we lose that? I think as, as, as adults, we lose that sense of wonder sometimes and, and the sense of amazement of how cool the world is. Look at what Psalm 66, 5 says. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. When was the last time that we were amazed by what God has done in our life? When is the last time we looked back and said, God, I'm so grateful for all the great things you have? I mean, think about something as simple as your eyeball. When is the last time you thank God for your eyeball? Can you imagine all the amazing, delicate details that we still as human beings still don't exactly know how all those things work together just to be able to see and just have that sense of amazement? When was the last time you picked a leaf off a tree and just saw all the amazing things that go into making that leaf and, and all of the cool things in creation? 
We had a really cool thing happen here in Yankton. The, the snow geese came back, and they migrated back. Many of you maybe saw that or went out and saw the pictures of it. It's just crazy. These thousands of geese that, that fly thousands of miles know exactly where to go. Isn't our God amazing? Why do we lose that sense of wonder? See, as followers of Jesus, we need to get back to having that childlike sense of wonder at everything that God has done. And again, the words of Jesus, not me. This is Jesus saying this. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Church, if we want to be part of the kingdom of God, we need to have a childlike faith. And that requires dependence, it requires obedience, and it requires a sense of wonder of who our God is. Now, as I said before, there's two events in the life of Jesus we're going to talk about today. The first one is what he just did with kids and how we need to understand that. But the second event we're going to talk about next. And again, I'm going to say, I believe these two are connected. I, I think they've been separated, but I, don't, I think there's a point in having these two together. And this is what happens in verse 18. And again, Matthew and Mark say this actually happened immediately after. It's like this guy said this immediately after Jesus said this. Verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, if you, you were here last week, you heard that same question be asked by another person, right? Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And we talked about this. There's nothing you can do, right? There, there's nothing we can do. Jesus has already done it for us. And our job is to be dependent on him. We already know the answer to that, but we still want to be in control, don't we? Now, Jesus responded one way last week. Jesus responded completely differently to this guy this week. And I want to unpack this for you. In verse 19, this is what Jesus says. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Did you catch the answer? See, there's nothing you can do. God is good. You are not. Jesus is God. Therefore, Jesus is good. But the whole problem is, isn't it? We want to be God. We want to be God. And yet, that's not good. Because there's only one God. It's either his will or my will, right? We've got to surrender that. That's what Jesus is saying. And he pushes a little bit further in verse 20. You know the commandments. This is Jesus talking to this guy. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. What's Jesus saying here? All you've got to do is be perfect. That's it. That's the only requirement. You just have to go, and you've got to keep all the laws and be completely perfect. Go be perfect, and then you'll be okay. To which we'll all say, we can't. <laughs> we can't do it. But Jesus did, didn't he? Jesus was perfect, and that's why we can be, be on him. Look at what verse 21 says. And this is very interesting. This is how the guy responds. All these I have kept since I was a boy, the man said. I find that's an interesting statement. Since I was a boy. And think about what we just talked about, come to heaven like a child. I think he's trying to tie it in there. See, here's what I think the guy's asking. I don't think the guy is saying, I'm perfect. I think I'm perfect. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's asking the question because he knows he's missing something. He's like, Jesus, I've been going, if I could put it this way, Jesus, I've been going to church. I've been going to the synagogue. Jesus, I've, I've, been, I've been following the rules. I've been trying to be holy. I've been trying, I just, I feel like there's something missing. I feel like there might be something more than just what I can do. Jesus, what is that? Ever felt that way? I think that's a great question. I think this guy comes a good place. And look at how Jesus responds in verse 22. When Jesus heard this, he said to the man, you still lack one thing. And this is very interesting. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad 
because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at it and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Now, this is a difficult passage. And if you've read this before, you might say, okay, wait a minute. So in order to be a follower of Jesus, I have to sell everything I have to give to the poor? Is that what Jesus just said right there? So basically, if I'm rich, if I have a lot of money, I'm basically disqualified from following God unless I sell everything and give it to the poor. That's what some people have taken that as, and, and, and I believe they've taken it a little too literally. Because I think this is more of the context. Because if that's true, we have a problem. There's a guy named Abraham from the Old Testament. Okay? The man that God said was, was faithful and how God used Abraham to build the entire nation of Israel from that. Abraham was loaded. Abraham was one of the wealthiest men I would contend in human history because of where he was and at the time frame he was. So if being rich is bad, explain to me Abraham. How about this one? There's another story in the Bible, a guy named Job. You've heard of Job before. We've talked about him. Job had everything. Job was a very wealthy man. Job lost everything. You remember the story. But, but here's the part that people, most people miss about Job. At the very end of Job, God restored not only his wealth, but he gave him far more than he'd ever had before. He was richer, way richer than he was even before he lost everything. So if being rich is bad, explain that to me. If God doesn't want us to be rich, why would God do that? How about this one, King David? The nation of Israel was established. There's been no greater king than King David in the nation of Israel. And David established the kingdom of Israel. David had more wealth than any other king before him. And he laid up a bunch of treasure that would end up building the temple of Solomon. Solomon sometimes get the credit for it. David did all the work. David got all the money. So again, I'm going to go back to that. If being rich is bad, explain to me that. And here's what I think we're missing. And I want to unpack this for you. This is the connection between these two passages, right? What it means to come to the kingdom of heaven, we need to have a what? A childlike faith. Come to heaven as a child. Jesus, what do I need to do? And this is what he said, verse 22, don't miss this. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. So this man, remember we said, he came to Jesus saying, Jesus, I've tried all this stuff. I feel like I'm still missing something. Jesus knew this man. Jesus knew his heart. Jesus looked inside. And in Mark, it even says that Jesus, he had compassion for him. His heart kind of went out to him. And he said, you still lack one thing. If I could put it as plain as possible, he says, your reason why you're struggling is because God isn't your God. Your money's your God. You can't have both. You can either serve God or serve money. Pick one. You, you can't have both of those. And so if you got your note sheets, I want you to take these out because I'm going to walk through this. And, and, and what I did was I kind of set you up. Okay, now it's not actually setting you up if I tell you what I'm doing, okay? So I'm telling you that I set you up. If you go back, and we're going to go through what it means to have a childlike faith, right? We talked about this already. Dependence, obedience, and wonder. That means faith in all aspects of our life, doesn't it? Including our finances. So what I want you to do in your note sheet, I want you to go ahead, where it says childlike faith, I want you to go ahead and write in there, in our finances. Childlike faith in our finances requires, get this, the same three things. Here's the first one again, if you missed it, dependence. To be, have a childlike faith when it comes to our finances, we need to recognize our 100% dependence on God for everything. Now, for all the parents in the room who have kids who are under the age of 18, I've got a question for you. If you're watching online, play along. How much money, if your kids are under the age of 18, how much money do your kids have? Answer, 
Nothing, <laughs> okay? Because we have all of it. We own everything. As the parent, if they're under 18, they're in your house, they, we own everything. I love this. Like, it happens sometimes when my kids will say, oh, hey, Dad, I need something, or, or Dad, you owe me some money. And, and I, a true story, I'll say, you know what I'm going to give you? I'm going to give you a month free of Internet. <laughs> You're welcome. Like, are we kidding? We have this conversation. Everything I have is yours. I provide all that you have. Well, I work sometimes. Well, guess what the government says? It's still my money, isn't it? I could still do that. That's kind of rude, but, but legally we could do that. See, as children, everything we have belongs to our parents. Don't miss this. It's the same way with God. Every single one of us who are a child of God, God owns everything we have. Nothing we own is ours. Everything we have is on loan. Now, you might push back on that. You might say, well, I've worked hard for what I've done. Who gave you the ability to work? Well, I went to school, and, and I spent a lot of money in school. Who gave you the mind to be able to go to school and understand that? Who gave you the opportunity who put you in this country so you have access to that education? Well, I saved all my money. Who allowed you to save that money? How many of you know that one medical bill or one disaster, your savings could be completely wiped out? Who holds the hand on that? I believe it's my God, don't you? See, what we need to understand in our finances is we are 100% dependent on God. Faith in our finances requires us to fully recognize our dependence on God for everything we have. And here's the reality, church. Even if you refuse to acknowledge it, you're still 100% dependent on God. Let me help you with that. Naked you came to this world, naked you will leave this world. If you struggle with settling that question, God will settle it for you at your funeral. You've heard me say this before. John D. Rockefeller was one of the wealthiest men in American history. And when he died, the reporters went to his account and he said, how much money did Mr. Rockefeller leave behind? To which the accountant replied, all of it. Church, we're not taking it with us. We can either recognize today in our lives that everything we own is God's or God will settle that for us when we die. So childlike faith in our finances requires our recognition of our dependence on God. Everything we have belongs to him. Here's the second thing that it requires. And this will sound familiar. It requires obedience. Childlike faith in our finances and in every area of life requires obedience. And this is the thing we don't like to talk about in church, isn't it? God's word says that the first tenth, the first 10% of everything we have belongs to God. We don't return it to God. It's not a gift. It's simple obedience. And God has blessed us with 90%. The first 10% goes to him. This started all the way back, I believe, in the Garden of Eden. We've talked about this before. It really started with Abraham, but, but it really kind of was codified with Moses in the nation of Israel. And Moses said, the first one belongs to God. That first one, always you return it to God. And why? I think that's important. I think we get focused on that and we miss the why. Look at what Exodus 13, 14 says. In the days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Why does the first one always go to God? Say to him with a mighty hand, the Lord has brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Can I just say it again, church? If you struggle with this issue, it's a hard issue. Do you know why I return to God the first 10% all the time? Because of what God's done for me. Every single one of us were in slavery. Every single one of us was dead in our sin. And God, in his great love for us, loved us enough to provide a way for us to get through that. And he provided salvation to us, even though we don't deserve it. And it's our way of returning to God to say thank you. And look at what Moses says. We need to teach this to our children. This is an important idea because our kids will watch us and see that. That's what it means to be obedient. But you know why I think we struggle with this? Because we focus too much on the 10% and we don't enjoy the 90% that God has given us. 
And, and, and I, like I said, we've talked about this before in church. If you've been part of Celebrate, you hear me talk about it a lot. And I know that sometimes it causes frustration. Sometimes it causes arguments. And I just want to let you know, I love you with all my heart. I'm not here to argue with you. This is what God's word says. And I love what Pastor Roger said. And, and I, I totally love this guy with all my heart. He says, listen, once somebody gives their heart to Jesus, you don't have to worry about teaching about tithing. Because <laughs> they would just do it. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you just return to God? It's his. And, and I think we, need, we miss this sometimes. Money is a tool, not a treasure. Money is a tool. God has given us money as a gift, and it's meant to be a tool, not a treasure. This is going to go back to the whole wealth thing, and this is why I think this is important we, we talk about this. Money is a tool we're given to use for us. It's not a treasure we're to build. And I could show you multiple places where Jesus says this. There's a guy by the name of John Wesley. If you don't know who that is, it's the founder of basically our denomination. And he had a statement. He said, make all you can, save all you can, so you can give all you can. See the focus on that second part? I think that last part is what we miss. Make all we can, save all we can, so then I can sit on my can. That's what I want to do, right? I can sit on my can, I can just enjoy life. That's not the point. Make all you can, save all you can, so you can give all you can. And just to make this personal here for a moment, Elaine and I have really walked through this. And I've been very open with you in Elaine and I's story, and I could spend a lot of time on this. Our financial situation has been all over the place, even since we've been in Yankton. There's been times where we've had a lot. There's been times we haven't had a lot. It's been up and down, back and forth. But I, since 2011, so however long ago that's been, we have faithfully, the first 10% goes straight to God every time. And I'm telling you, it's been a blessing in our lives. And that's what we've done. And why I'm telling you that is because we're at a stage in our life right now where we're talking about the next chapter in life. I mentioned my oldest son is getting ready to graduate. My youngest is going to be there soon. And we're really looking ahead and we're saying, okay, what can we do? So, you know, we're really focused in right now like a laser beam on our finances. And the reason why we're trying to do that is because we want to get ourselves in a place where we can... Get, make all we can, save all we can, so we can give all we can. Church, it's fun to be generous, isn't it? I, I love being able to like go out and bless people and, and financially, and we talk about our network, we talk about church planning. I want to be generous. Can I just make it a little more personal too? I want to be a church that's generous too. As a church, do I want our offering to go up? Yeah, not for me. I could care less about that. If you think that way, you don't know who I am. I, I, I want to be a church that we're faithful with our stewardship where we're saving what we get as well. Why? So we can be generous. You know, some of the most fun I've had as a church, some most fun we've had is when we got to bless everyone at Pathways Shelter for the Homeless with like a Minerva-style brunch for last Easter. Wasn't that fun? That was fun. You know what else was fun? When we got to open our doors here, and we invited our community to come in on Halloween, and we got to bless them with all the pizza they could have and all the games. Wasn't that fun? That was fun, wasn't it? And that costs money. But that's what I'm saying. How fun is that to be a church where we can say, listen, we're going to be faithful with what God's given us. We're going to trust him for that. We're going to faithfully tithe. So then we can be a blessing to other people. Money is a tool, not a treasure. Why are we saving it up? We need to be obedient with what God says. But here's the third one. And I think it's the most important. I think it's the one we miss. Childlike faith requires dependence, obedience, and Wonder. There you go, church. It requires wonder. When was the last time you had a sense of wonder about all God has blessed you with? Now, some of you might argue and you say, well, I wonder all the time. 
I wonder how I'm going to pay this bill. I wonder if I'm going to be able to retire. I wonder if I'm going to have to drive this old clunker. I wonder if the pastor's wearing new shoes. Is that why he's asking us for more money, right? So you guys wonder all the time, don't we? But that's not the kind of wonder I'm talking about. I'm asking the same questions. And how, when was the last time you were amazed by all God's done in your life? When you look back at the blessings that he's given you. And you guys have heard me talk about this all the time. 75% of the people in the world right now do not have clothes in their closet. If you have a closet at home that has clothes in it, if you got up this morning and decided what you wanted to wear, you are in the wealthiest 25% of people in the world. Just keep it that basic. If you have running water in your house, you are better than so many more people in the world right now. We just got done talking um, with Dr. Joanne Lyons, who's the president of World Hope. Got a chance to spend some time with her. Love that lady. And she was sharing with us about the work we're doing in Liberia. As a Celebrate Network, we've been able to drill wells for over 10,000 people now have access to clean running water because of our Celebrate Network church. Isn't that awesome? And I, yeah, amen. Give it up for that. That's, that's so cool. But we just take it for granted, don't we? And she was talking about how it's literally changed lives in this community because people can able to go and actually have access to clean water. It changes the education. It changes the, the financial situations. It's amazing, church. Church, we're so blessed. When was the last time that instead of wondering how you were going to pay that bill, that you thank God that you had the ability to get money to pay that bill? You see how we're thinking about it wrong? We need to have a childlike sense of wonder. And I think Jesus talks about this in verse 24. Just to continue on with this guy, Jesus says something else to him that's very interesting. Verse 24. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this is very important that we understand what Jesus says here. Jesus is making a metaphor. Now, if you don't know what a metaphor is, a metaphor is two seemingly unrelated items to make a point. He talks about a camel and an eye of a needle. Okay? And there's a lot of commentaries about this. And I did, I did my homework on this passage because when I preach, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm educating myself too. There's a lot of ideas. Okay, what does that mean? A camel through the eye of a needle. It's a metaphor. Okay? It's not literal. But what, what's he getting at? Well, the two most popular commentaries that I found about this passage, um, and they make sense to me. The first one is there was a gate in Jerusalem called the Needle's Eye. And this gate was designed so when somebody would come to the city to travel, they would have to, it was kind of small, so a camel that was fully loaded couldn't get through unless they unloaded the camel first and then brought the camel through the gate. It was kind of a way of protecting kind of exports, those types of things, kind of making sure they're not sneaking in like an army to kill people. Does that make sense? So that, that kind of made sense to me. Okay, maybe that's what Jesus is talking about. The, the second commentary was the word camel is very similar in Greek to the word cable, which may have been like a thread that you twist it through and you gotta be real careful to get the thread through the eye of the needle. Maybe that's what he's talking about. That one was more of a stretch for me. I couldn't get, can I just tell you my really scholarly answer to this? <laughs> you know what I think Jesus is going with this? I think Jesus is saying very simply, pick one. You either have two gods in your life. It's either your finances or God, pick one. Which one's gonna be your God? If you wanna live for your finances, go ahead and do that. It's not gonna end well for you. You need to understand who God is. See, every one of us here in this country, for, the, for younger generations, this is a dollar bill, okay? You can actually still use this to buy things. I don't know if you knew that, younger generation, really. <laughs> it, it actually exists. They still make it. On every piece of U.S. currency, dollar bills, coins, there's a phrase that's on it. And you guys know what it is, right? In what? In God we trust. And you've heard me say this before. There's a word missing on this. 
It's not in God we trust. It's in this God we trust. In the United States of America, this is our God. This is why we freak out when gas goes to $4 a gallon. Do you know what? Jesus isn't freaking out about that right now. This is why we freak out when the stock market goes up and down and, and we go to the grocery store and prices have doubled because it's in this God that we're trusting. And Jesus says over and over again, to be a follower of me, this cannot be your God. Pick one. You've got to either serve God or you've got to serve money. Jesus understood the number one competition for him in our lives would be our finances. And when he looked at this rich young ruler, and, and this might hurt church, I believe he says the same thing to us today in this country. Which God do you trust in? This God or the God? And go down to verse 29. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and the age to come eternal life. Now, I want to turn the temperature down for just a minute. And and what I mean is whenever we talk about money, it can get a little hot. (laughs) It can get a little heated. There can be a lot of emotions that come out with that. So I just want to take some time to kind of, because I want to unpack for you what Jesus just said here. He said, anytime you think you're giving up something for the kingdom of God, you're not. You're gaining far more, and you'll gain much more in this life and in the life to come. I want to share with you a little story, and I brought a little visual aid here to help me out with this. So this is a baseball, um, and it's autographed by three members of the Minnesota Twins. Now, this baseball is very special to me, and and it's been in my office since I got it. And ever since I've been in ministry, if you come to my office, it's sitting right where I can see it, right next to me. It's very significant to me. And many of you know I love the Minnesota Twins, but I want to help you with something. This baseball has nothing to do with the signatures. This baseball is not significant to me because there's three members of the Minnesota Twins assigned it. This baseball is significant for me for another reason. I want to share with you the story. When I first became what I would say a dedicated follower of Jesus, when I first started going to celebrate church, when I recommitted my life to Jesus Christ, there's some things in my life that God changed. I already shared. One of them was my finances. I started tithing. Another thing was I became committed to what we call life groups, how I keep talking about this, why I keep talking about this. It's so important to be a part of a life group. And I actually started leading a life group. And we met, I believe it was Monday nights, doesn't really matter. But um, every week we had this group of guys, we get together, we talk about the message. It was awesome, it was great. Well, the second thing that you need to understand is every year the Minnesota Twins do a thing called Fan Fest where they travel around to different communities, and you get to meet the players, you get to sign the ball. It's a really cool thing. So in my household, baseball was kind of my religion. <laughs> and those of you who know me then can, can affirm that if you don't believe me. It, it was. And so this is like an annual. This is like Christmas and Easter for me, right? Okay, the twins come to Sioux Falls. You get to meet them. You get to meet the players. You get to talk. Well, this year, the Minnesota Twins came the same night as my life group. And I had a conflict. <laughs> I was like, oh, I really, like, this is a big deal to me, right? This is a big deal in my life. How do I justify canceling my life group so I can go see what I want to do, right? And, and, and I'm just telling you my heart. And I felt really convicted. And God's like, okay, so wait a minute. So you're going to give up on these guys because you want to go, you know, meet these guys. They're like, okay, I know the right thing to do. I should keep life group. I'm not going to go. So for me, and this sounds silly, like even saying it now just makes it sound so ridiculous, but I just want to tell you where I was at that point in my life. That was a big deal for me to give up on that and not go to that, that event and go to my life group and said was a big deal. <clears throat> Here's why this is important. The very next day, a dear friend of mine from Celebrate, who had no clue this was going on, by the way, no idea, 
he calls me up and he says, hey, Jeff, I'm going to get emotional when I talk about this. He goes, hey, Jeff, before you go to work today, can you stop by the office? I have something I want to give you. Okay, that's kind of weird. Sure, whatever. So I, I stop and he's like, it's not a big deal. Just take time. Just as you, as you go to work, just stop by the office. Okay, great. He comes out and he gives me this baseball. And this is what he said. He said, you know, he's like, I, I don't like baseball at all. I, I, it doesn't mean anything to me. But he said, last night I was with a friend, and he wanted to go to this Twins Fest thing. Apparently there's this thing in town. He's like, and I thought you would be there, but I saw you weren't there. <laughs> it's kind of weird. So he's like, I got this autographed baseball because that's what they gave out. And he said, I, I thought maybe you'd like that. So I want to give that to you. That's why I still get emotional when I talk about it so many years later because it's just a stupid ball, right? Go back to what Jesus just said. Anytime you think you're giving up something for the kingdom of God, you're not giving up anything. And that's why this ball means so much to me. That's why I keep it up there. Church, has it cost me and my family a lot to move to Yankton, South Dakota? You bet it has. Do I care about that? And at least not in the least. Because I look around this room and I see these amazing faces of people that I wouldn't have got to know if we would have stayed in Sioux Falls and we would have stayed comfortable. Anytime you think you're giving up something for God's kingdom, you're not. You're going to get blessed so much more. And it comes back to the same thing with our finances. Church, when you take a step of faith, and I know that first time when you say, okay, what's 10%? That's what I'm going to tie. That's a step of faith to take. I get it. I understand it. But every time, you're going to be blessed by that. And in ways you might never see this side of heaven. But church, that's what it means. And, and this is the question that we need to ask. And you might want to write this down as we wrap up here. This is the real thing when it comes to our finances. Whose kingdom are you building? Pick one. You can either build your kingdom or you can build God's kingdom. You can either trust in this God or you can trust in the God. In order to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it requires us to have a childlike faith. Go back to what Jesus said. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. What does it mean to have a childlike faith? It means we should be dependent. Not just in our finances, but can I say it again? Especially in our finances. You can deny it if you want to, but God will settle that score someday. Everything we have belongs to God and is a gift from Him. No matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you save, everything is a gift from God. Childlike faith requires obedience. God said it, not me. The first 10% belongs to me. And if you want to keep it for you, you're robbing God. And I love you with all my heart, and I know that's hard to hear, but I'm, I'm just charged, charged as a minister of the gospel to be faithful to what he says. Do not take this passage to mean it's wrong to be wealthy. If you have a lot and God's blessed you with that, great. And I'm going to encourage you, just what John Wesley said, make all you can, save all you can, so you can give all you can. Not sit on your can, because that's what the world teaches us. But more than anything, and if I could just drive this home before we close, I want us to have a sense of wonder again. I want us, just like little kids, to just be so grateful that it's so giddy. When was the last time you got a paycheck and you were just like, yeah, I got a paycheck, right? You remember that when you first got your paycheck? Your first paycheck was like, this is like $300. This is awesome. Never lose that sense of wonder, church. Every time God blesses you financially, do you, do you have that sense of wonder? Do you have that sense of excitement? And if you've lost it, can I help you with something? You need to be more generous. 
Because if you're not having fun being generous, I don't, there's something wrong. <laughs> being generous is fun, isn't it? And, and never lose that sense of wonder. Be excited for what God can do. And I believe with all my heart that God is just getting started in our community. And, and I believe that we will have a dependence and obedience and a sense of wonder as a body of Christ, as a church here in Yankton, and we'll see God do immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or imagine in his name. Let's pray. God, I look at this baseball and I just smile again. And, and I think back at my heart at that time and how you were sitting up in heaven just laughing because you knew that one day I'd be pastoring a church and planted a church in a community. And, and yet at that, in that moment, it was a really big deal for me to, to miss a baseball meeting. But God... You were just as pleased with my obedience to show up that night at Life Group than you were at my obedience to come plant a church, that you were at my obedience to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. Can I just say, God, you're not impressed by us. And forgive us when we think we can impress you by how we bless you with our finances. Forgive us when we think we're doing something great when all we're doing is being faithful to what you've already called us to do. Forgive us when we think that we're leaning on our own power and our own abilities, God, when everything we have comes from you. And in the same way that I see in my kids sometimes, maybe that sense of entitlement or maybe that sense of unappreciative, God, forgive us when we do the same thing to you. Because you're going to settle that score one day, God, with every person in this room, every person listening or watching online. God, I pray that we would be obedient to your word. Your word is very clear on what it means to be faithful with our finances. And God, I know that the enemy loves to take this topic and just ram it and, and change it. And God, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that's feeling hesitant or frustrated right now, I pray they would push into that, not push away. And, and I pray that, that, that you will do a work in their heart that only you can do. I can't. Nobody else is going to change him. It's only you, God. But God, more than anything, I pray that you will give us this week a sense of wonder about so many things in our life, but let's just specifically be wondered in our finances. God, that we wouldn't look at our checkbook and think, boy, I, don't, I wish that would be a lot more, God. We would look at that and we would just say, wow, isn't it cool that I got to pay all those bills? <laughs> isn't it great that all my money is tied up and, and, and I'm going to get out of debt? Whatever, whatever that is, God. Whatever our financial situation is, God, that we would just have a sense of wonder about that. And Jesus said, you said, this is a promise that you said to that young man. You said, anything that you give for the kingdom of God is not lost. You will be blessed by that. And God, I know that that blessing sometimes means financial, but it also means the joy that we can experience, the blessing we can be to other people. That we might never know this side of heaven, the blessings that that can happen from us being faithful with what we do. And God, I pray again as a church that we would be good stewards of what you return, what we return to you, God. And we would be obedient, God, as a church. And God, I pray that as a church, we would have a sense of wonder about what we can do with what you have already blessed us with, God. I thank you so much, Nassus, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. 
If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can also check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless.